Tech Talks in 20 focuses on the hottest technology topics and customer experience right now. When we talk tech, we cover everything from supercharging the customer experience with AI to composable CX to what's hot with bots. Plus, we reveal the data behind the latest customer and employee experience technology trends, all in about 20 minutes. Welcome to Tech Talks in 20. I'm Michael Logan. And I'm Ginger Conlon. Ginger, with all the evolutions in conversational AI that have occurred over the last couple of years, it's pretty much commonplace for most of us now, whether it's on our phone or our home devices, we're getting used to the idea that we can talk to a bot and get a pretty accurate response, correct? Yes. Conversational AI is pervasive in the customer experience. And that's why we have Mitch Mason Principal Product Manager of Conversational AI for Genesis, here with us today. He's going to clear up some of the confusion around bots, just talking about what they're good and they're bad for, give us some examples of some use cases and expectations of what's real and what's not real with bots. And he's going to share some best practices, which are always important. So let's jump in and see what Mitch has to say. Well, Mitch, thanks for joining us. Uh, Welcome to Tech Talks in 20. Thanks for having me. Mitch, tell us a little bit about what you do for Genesis, and then we'll kind of dive into some questions around that. I'm a product manager on the conversational AI team. Specifically, I manage both the voice and digital bots. So we work closely with all of the services in the AI experience, whether that's knowledge, agent assist, anywhere you might see some natural language, uh, my team is most likely involved. What are bots good for? And then on the same side, what are they, what are they bad for? There's definitely some kind of most common do's and don'ts. Usually you want to take, in a customer support use case at least, kind of the top 20% of the questions. A lot of times we see this 80-20 rule where 80% of the people visiting any kind of a support site are really only asking 20% of the questions, right? They're all asking the same couple of questions over and over again. Those are generally going to be the, the most valuable things to aut- automate as well as they're usually kind of simpler. If most people have this problem, they're they're going to be more standardized. And so you can offload that off of your agents. You can take away things like, what are your hours? What are your rates? What are your fees? You know, some of those most common questions, you can offload those and let them focus on the harder tasks. If you're in an investment use case, maybe like, where should I put my money? This is obviously a very critical thing someone needs really in-depth analysis on. And if if the same people who are answering that question are talking about What are the transaction fees? You can see that on a piece of paper. Um, A bot could easily answer that question. And of course, there might be some steps along the way. It doesn't have to just be, what are the fees and show an answer. You could collect some information. What type of package are you in? Are you a gold member? Are you a standard member? A bot can handle all of those things by identifying the problem at hand, asking a couple of questions to narrow down what the right answer is going to be, and then give that answer back. Of course, if you can do any kind of data lookups, that's another great way to improve the value of the bot. Maybe instead of asking what what package you're in, you can look them up by account number. You can do a data dip and see some different pieces of information about them and fine tune the answer. But typically it's, it's those most frequent questions. And then also when there is kind of a defined path or conversation, if you could give a script to an agent, it's really gonna be that synergy between the agents, the customers and the bots kind of in the middle to identify, is it something the bot can do well? If so, do it. If not, hand it over. Those are all really great places to focus. How often do you see triaging as a use case? 
in my opinion and, and really in my experience, it's a great way to start, right? You can, you can gather a lot of data. You can get used to the bot technology. You can figure out what you actually want to and should do with that. Just identifying the problem someone wants to do using natural language understanding or NLU, I might call it later, uh, to identify what they want to do and then pass that over to someone who can do it. And as you start to see, oh, we're sending, again, 80% of our calls to this one endpoint in that triage, let's automate that. Let's just take that off of the agents altogether, leave everything else for them. But you can really gain a lot of trust in the system. You can learn a lot along the way without maybe exposing yourself to some risk. Obviously, if you don't train the bot well, it might not perform well either. So there's certainly some risk when it's the first time you're venturing into this, this type of product. So it's a great way to go live. And guess what? If the bot does triage it wrong, that agent can either answer a question maybe they're not specifically assigned to, or they can transfer them to the agent who should, right? The fallback in that case is, is really simple, really graceful. No one's really going to notice that anything went wrong. So it's a great way to start. And then as well as if you are in a more complicated domain, you really want to get someone to an expert, that triage use case is a great way to let people speak their, their mind in a natural way and find the right person to help them. And all the implementations you've had your hands on or been involved with. Can you, is there any that you can think of that are good stories to tell around how someone's implemented these use cases? One of my um, favorite use cases is the domestic abuse hotline. Uh, so obviously it's a very sensitive industry. It's something that a lot of people are, are can't, for very good reason, almost afraid to talk about, whether it's for judgment or for their own safety. So the domestic abuse hotline allows someone to come and chat to, to talk to an expert and they're a nonprofit organization, so they have very limited resources, even though they're on a very noble mission. And so a lot of times what happens is someone will reach out and either, you know, maybe they are not seriously in danger or they are seriously in danger and they have to reach out and leave immediately without ever getting to an agent. <clears throat> so what happens is they can talk to a bot. The bot can kind of do the basic triage, give them any immediate needs, right? It's, it's going to be an immediate response available 24-7. So it's a great way to get someone to be heard. And then one feature that we helped release for them was called a no input timeout. So if a person doesn't send a message after a certain amount of time, we'll ping them. We'll say, hey, are you still here? Obviously, this is great in like a sales or a support use case to keep people's attention, bring them back into the use case. But here, it actually goes a lot further. In a lot of cases, someone would message the bot, and then they had to leave, again, either for their safety or for any other reason. And if an agent picks up that chat, they're actually wasting valuable time when no one's on the other end. So the bot can say, hey, are you still here? Are you still here? Are you ready to be transferred? And assuming the person is still there, they do get in touch with an agent who knows they're available. So it's really helping both sides of the picture in that the person knows, hey, someone is on their way. And the agent you know, they're not spending valuable time picking up a chat that no one's on the other end of when they could be helping someone who may actually be in immediate danger and still on the line. Um, so it's it's not only is it a really noble use case, but the technology plays a really great role in in showcasing what it can and what it's good for. Where does AI fit into the bot use case, something like predictive routing? If we really should probably dive into the end-to-end -end story of how someone might interact with the bot, at Genesis, we offer a bundle that we call the AI experience. So it's a number of different products all tied together. And we usually tell this story with a persona called Hannah. She's a person who maybe just bought a coffee maker. She visits the coffee website and she's kind of scrolling around. 
we know a little bit about who she is. She might be logged in. And so the first phase is a feature called predictive engagement. There's really two ways you can use predictive engagement to reach out to a customer. And that's either through segments uh, or outcomes. <clears throat> but either way, the goal is to kind of notify someone that a chat is there for them. The bot is available. If you were to offer this to everyone, it's kind of annoying. If you were to offer this to nobody, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities. So predictive engagement can either be set up through segments, which are a rule-based method to say, if a person does these things or fits this profile, let them know the bot is there. That's what we're really using in this Hannah story is that she's eligible for a recall. We see that in her profile. And so the bot can proactively message her and say, hey, I'm here. I see you have a recall. Let's talk about that. Otherwise, we have a more AI-based approach where you can define a specific outcome. I want people who are most likely to purchase a new coffee machine, for example. So maybe they visited certain pages, they've done certain things or fit a profile that says, in my experience, the AI learns over time that these people are most likely to purchase. So at first, if you take this AI route, it does nothing. It's just watching. It's just observing the different people who end up buying a coffee machine. And then it will learn over time, these specific features of a person make them most likely, I should start to notify them. When someone starts to look like this, I'm going to say, hey, I'm here. I can help you buy a coffee machine. So you can really go either route. But in this case, we say that Hannah's eligible for a recall. Predictive engagement notifies her. She says, oh, wow, if my machine is, is available for a recall, I need to check that out. She clicks to chat. Now she talks to a bot as the first thing. The bot kind of gives her some preliminary information, maybe some, some different choices, right? Do you want to do a mail-in rebate? Take this offline, do it yourself. Do you want to talk to an agent right now? Do you want me to walk you through a process to kind of get it started and we'll follow up later? And what's most valuable here is that the bot can understand she was given this message. So don't say, welcome to the coffee store. How can I help you? Jump her straight to that process of doing a recall. And in this case, she does say, what does it take? We can either walk her through that process or we can show her a knowledge article. So knowledge articles are more of like an FAQ, kind of your standard documentation. And the bot can pull all that all of that information in, in natural language again. So if she were to ask a question about it, we can show the correct article. This is existing content from some type of a content management system. So maybe we show her some basic content about what's gonna be involved here. And then finally she says, yeah, I need to do this right now. So let me talk to an agent. This is where now predictive routing comes in. And once again, when you first turn on predictive routing, nothing's really gonna happen. It's going to be watching the interactions between the agents and the customers, though, and it will start to learn which agents are best at solving which problems. So maybe there is a recall expert here who handles all of these recalls extremely fast, extremely professionally, and leaves everyone with a great experience. Other agents might be a little bit slower. They might be less familiar with the process, for example. So the system will learn that. Predictive routing uses AI to learn that. And in some cases, even if that agent is not the next available, it might make sense to wait one or two minutes for this agent because they give her a better experience. And in the long run, they're actually going to handle it faster than someone who might still be learning the process. So it might make sense to wait up front for this better, more suited agent, hopefully for this problem. Ideally, every agent kind of has their skill sets and they'll all be routed to under certain conditions. Uh, and that's where predictive routing really can shine finding the right agent for the right problem, for the right person uh, at the right time. And what's really cool about both predictive engagement and predictive routing is you can just turn them on and they learn over time. It really is unsupervised learning. We have a lot of dashboards and metrics to show you, hey, if this was on, or if you were doing more with this, here's kind of the value you would gain. So you can really see a lot of those metrics before to gain some confidence as well. 
what are some of the expectations versus what's really available? This cycle comes around every few years. At first, it was when we really first started doing intent matching, you know, machine learning, NLU. Uh, people thought, hey, this thing's going to be hyper conversational. And, and it could understand a lot more questions, but there was still kind of building this rigid script of what the bot should do. It can't just have this free flowing conversation that can do anything. We've made a lot of gains there, right? We've, we've made things more flexible, but it's still not as natural as a human in all cases, especially with more complex questions or utterances. And then now most recently, we've probably all seen chat GPT and all of this generative AI technology that's coming out. And again, on the surface, it all looks really, really impressive. And it is, it's doing some really powerful things, but it's not perfect either. There's a lot of risks. Um, they can hallucinate, it can leak data. If you're on your website, obviously you've trained it on your data you wanted to say, there's a little bit less risk, but if you're using something raw like ChatGPT and training it on your data, again, we've, we've seen some stories in the news where someone asked a question or gave it some input to help develop a business case. And that business case is now available for the rest of the world to see. Maybe that should be held private. So all that data compounds on itself and it doesn't always have the same filters that a human might have, right? I've worked at other companies. I've worked with other customers. I kind of know what I should and shouldn't say. Whereas some of these more generative AI technologies, they don't have those filters, right? They don't know what's appropriate from what they've learned to tell someone else. So there's definitely some risk there. It alludes back to what bots are good for. That's really kind of the reality is you want to focus on those things. It could probably handle some other use cases, but these are really the sweet spot where you're going to gain the most value and probably most importantly, see the least risk. So it, you really should expect still someone like following a script. You hand an agent a script and they can kind of jump in and out. They can weave, they can change scripts. Some of those things are going to be possible with a bot, not all of them. You're going to want to identify the problem and then walk someone through it as quickly as possible. Always give them an escape route. That's kind of one big reality I think most people have learned over time is this thing's not going to be perfect. It's not going to answer 100% of your questions. Your agents don't answer 100% of the questions accurately. So the expectations should be set, especially when you get into some of kind of your testing. As you're building this, keeping those expectations in mind that maybe you have a standard test set of questions you want to keep the bot trained on. That's never going to be at 100% accuracy. And if it is, you've probably overfit for those things in your training test. And reality is customers are going to ask different questions. So always having the ability for someone to ask a question it didn't expect, train it over time, keep learning as you go. You're always going to be growing this just like you would a new employee. A new employee comes in, they really are just following scripts very rigidly. They're not really going out of the box. They're not trying to learn new things. They're trying to master the basics. Once they've got that down, they're going to expand. They're going to learn other domains. They're going to learn different questions, different ways people might ask or acronyms they might use. And they're going to learn just like your bot would as well. When you're looking for the bot to you know embed into some part of your customer experience or your customer journey, how do you choose the one that's right for you or best for you? At Genesis, we kind of position it in a way that I think kind of guides you to the right places, right? We we make these technologies surface in the right place. But if, if you were thinking about this, kind of take a step back and say, hey, I want to use a bot or I have a bot or I need a bot, you know, there, there are some things to consider, especially if you're kind of building this yourself or maybe deploying this in your own way. It's really going to depend who you're talking to, right? If you are for example, at, at the, back to the coffee scenario, Hannah really doesn't know 
anything about coffee machines, right? She needs to have her hand held. She doesn't want all of the in-depth information. She just wants to press a button, get a cup of coffee and get back to work or or her day and, and drink a nice cup of coffee. She doesn't want to, she doesn't need all of the extra information. Whereas maybe you're more in a scenario where you're helping your agents help customers. They actually are domain experts. So they do want all of that extra information. So not only does that kind of guide what type of content you should be training the bots on, it might also guide what technology you should use. And, and you can really see this clearly in the way that we do it at Genesis. So if you are deploying a bot onto your site, you can either use uh, just your knowledge through like the knowledge portal, where it really is kind of a easy to deploy FAQ-like experience, or within your bot. And the bot's more conversational. It's going to handhold these people who really maybe don't even want to be spending their time here, but they need your services. So you can really give them this very guided, handheld, comforting experience versus when you deploy the AI experience at Genesis into Agent Assist, we're really surfacing the knowledge articles. We're helping you incorporate your existing knowledge bases. You really want to be giving the agents all of the information, right? So that way, no matter what question someone asks, the agent has everything they need at their fingertips and they can pick and choose, okay, here's just the one or two sentences I can give to the customer. This is all they need. But as the expert, they can make that decision. And if a follow-up question comes, the agent already has the whole piece of information right there at their fingertips again. You get into things like voice versus digital as well. It may not be a type of bot or a type of technology, but when you're in voice, you always want to consider like don't have a lot of images in your content, right? You're on the phone. You're not going to be able to see those images. So it make sure that the content is really fine-tuned for the channel that you want. And different bots might be better at different things. You can imagine also on, on the phone, people are calling in. They've probably done some level of due diligence. They have a specific problem that they want answered, and they want to answer typically as fast as they can. Most people aren't calling into a business to have a chat. Some might, um, but generally they want to get their problem solved as fast as possible. Whereas online it, or on a digital channel, it's kind of a mixture. Some people might have a direct problem that they want help with. Others are there more to kind of discover. They're kind of trying to learn about what products do you offer? Let me compare and contrast those. Maybe I want to see them side by side. So having a bot that can really give an answer to a question, but also say, hey, here are some other things you might be interested in. There can be links involved. You can be deep linking. You can always be pointing them to other things they might be interested in. And, in, and a lot of times they actually will go and explore and try to learn a little bit more about what they might be interested in. So making sure that you're you're kind of fine tuning the content for them as well, not just the bot that you use. So you've given us a lot of really good best practices for building out these bots and that. Uh, but is there anything else you'd want to add? Yeah, of course, those are kind of things to consider when you're choosing, you know, do I put a bot and what am I going to have to worry about? But no matter which one you choose, I think there are some best practices. The first one is always using as real of data as possible. And, and I see this, maybe it's not a mistake, this kind of this kind of a shortcut uh, in a lot of customers. I, I've seen it time and time again, where they say, okay, I want this bot to help with maybe doing a recall of a coffee machine. We'll stick with the same example. And as an expert, I know all of, you know, some of the ways that I would talk about that. But guess what? Hannah, this 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 customer will most likely not talk about coffee the same way the coffee expert would. And the more complicated your industry gets, the, the bigger this gap becomes between the customer who might be asking the question and the expert who's training the bot. 
So making sure that as early as possible, you can get real data about how customers are interacting, how they are going to ask these questions and train your bot using that data. Because otherwise what's going to happen is you're going to fit your model for an expert. A new user is going to come in. They're going to ask a question in a way that really doesn't match anything that you've trained it on. And the bot's not going to know what to do, even though it is kind of the most basic question. So always using real data. A lot of bot building services actually have tools to help you do this. Here at Genesis, we have a tool called Intent Miner. And Intent Miner will actually grab all of the data from your agents and customers, cluster those, again, using AI here to, to understand what questions are like other questions people have asked to, to build a cluster, to build a single intent. And you can very quickly go through and see, yes, this, this all makes sense to me. This lines up, you know, no, kick this one out, change this, combine these, right? There's going to be a little bit of massaging of the data, but having it all in one place really goes a long way. And again, a, a lot of companies do this. One of the real, I think, nice pieces about Genesis is that we do have the whole platform, right? We have the bots and we have the agents and we can share that data across those two in ways that are still kept private, still kept secure, still able to be deleted for GDPR type reasons. You know, all of that is kind of built in, but it's all there in one place. So that's really the first one. Make sure you're using real data. The second one is going to be kind of what I said before is understand the persona that you're going to be interacting with, right? If they're an expert user, you can use acronyms. You can use some of the jargon. You can use the bigger words, but if they're more of a novice or someone who probably doesn't know much about your industry, make it suitable for them. So making sure you understand who you're talking to and fine tuning the data for them. And that includes the channel kind of, as I said before, the third best practice is going to be about how far can this bot actually go for a user? And, and it does kind of go back to some of the expectation reality, some of the example use cases where the more the bot can do for the user, the more satisfied they're going to be with that experience. If you have a bot that simply says, hey, click this link and go to this page and kind of do it yourself. In some cases, that triage is the best way to solve a problem. In other cases, the person may have already seen that page and struggled. They may have questions about it. They may want to have a conversation. They didn't want to do that for some reason. So having the bot being able to actually do a data, at Genesis, we would call it a data action, but some kind of a backend integration to pull that user's profile and update that user's profile based on what they wanted to do, right? If someone were to come to the bot and say, hey, how do I track my package? Or more likely, how do I track my pack? Where is my package? It's, it's tracking number is one, two, three, four, five, six. The bot could give them a link saying, hey, go over here, type that same number in again, and then I'll, that page will help you. Or what would be much more impressive, a much better user experience is the bot can do a data dip, look up that tracking number and give them the, the location of their package right there in line in the middle of the conversation. Again, understanding the context of where they are. And if there are any follow-up questions, right? How much longer will it be? Um, might be a, a reasonable follow-up question that, that someone might ask. The bot has that information, it could do another data dip. But being able to take action for a customer goes a really long way, especially when you're on other channels outside of the website. If you're on the website already and you give them a pointer to another page, that's not so bad. But if they're on SMS, if they're on Facebook, not taking them out of the experience that they wanted to be in is a great way to build uh, a much better experience. If you've never tested that with you know anybody who might not be yourself or your direct peers, someone who would ask things in a different way, you run a really high risk of having built a bot that is just so fine-tuned for the way you see it that someone else will come in. And even if it could handle that problem in a reasonable way, it's going to totally miss it because it wasn't built for them. It wasn't built for the person you're actually going to be talking to. So 
There's a number of different ways you can test your bots. Kind of some of the more data science typical approaches are doing what's called a regression test. Uh, you typically will pull out some amount of data, right? You never trained the bot on, typically it's 20% of the number of training utterances that you have in your bot, but you, it's kind of negotiable. You can kind of pick your own. The more you have, obviously the better, but also that's data you're not training on. So you never train the bot on these top questions, these top ways someone asks a question and you test that. It will get some number of those right, some number of those wrong. Obviously, the higher, the better. You'll go back, you'll edit your training data. Maybe you'll add new utterances, you'll take some away, you'll combine intents, you'll remove intents, whatever you need to do to kind of improve things. You run that same exact blind test set. And then ideally, the, the results go up. If the results go down, you'll probably throw away the changes you made, go back to the drawing board and make some new ones. Results go up, great. Save that state. You do this again. You do this a number of times until you see there's going to be a line of diminishing returns where the improvements you're making are having less of an effect. They're adding less value. And eventually you'll say, okay, great. I'm satisfied. We have a number of tools at Genesis to help you do these types of things. We also have an API so you can run these tests yourself, but we want to give guidance in a more simple manner. So one of our newest features in Tent Health starts to kind of point you in some directions where these things can go wrong. Another typical way to test your bot is through what's called a confusion matrix. This is really helping you identify when your intents are confused with each other. You could see a world where, you know, someone might want to ask, what time do you open? And what time do you close? The way you ask those questions are always going to be very similar with open and close being the really the only two words that are different here. That can be really difficult for a bot to always understand the nuance very clearly. That's a clear example for us as humans. Certainly intents in a real use case get more and more convoluted. So understanding where do your intents overlap? Where do those utterances overlap? What are the confidence scores when someone asks a question of not just the top intent, not just is the one it's going to say right or wrong, but how close is that second intent? And if they're really close, that means there's a high level of confusion. You might want to clear some of that up, remove sub utterances from one, combine those into one intent. Again, the results end up being the same, but it's another great view into what you might want to do. The last place is more of a dialogue regression test. So you've built a flow in Architect, in uh, Dialogue Engine bot flows, you built a flow. And I would call the, the steps in the script, the dialogue. You're going to want to make sure that whatever you've built is actually functional, right? Are you asking for six digit uh, slots to collect information when it should be seven? Are you maybe doing some conditioning on information that you have or have not collected. So making sure that when someone starts a process, they can actually get to the end of it. And as you make changes, as you improve that experience, does that still work? Regardless of which platform you're on, being confident that whatever you've built actually works end to end the way you think it will is good. And what happens is you end up building so many different pathways, running a test manually, right? Typing in the message one by one over and over again, really isn't feasible. So finding tools to help you do that uh, can be a really great way to make your job easier. One last question, just to kind of wrap things up. Where do you see us going next? We're always trying to make it easier to build these things. Obviously, we see a lot of potential in some of the generative AI technologies out there. We don't think until ChatGPT makes some improvements to their model, especially around privacy, you know, we want to find ways to have similar experiences, but still giving companies the control over what is said. When If you were to go fully generative, there's a lot of risk. It, it really is like setting a human loose. And, and there's a lot of trust, I think, that goes between a business and their employees. There's a lot of monitoring that goes on. And it's, it's very easy to correct an employee. It's much harder to correct uh, a fully generative AI system. 
But we want to find places to sprinkle some of those, some of the power that those things provide while still keeping the confidence that this thing will actually do what you want to do. So one of our actually current kind of research efforts is on generating a bot, both the the intents, the slots, and the uh, flows automatically off of a very small amount of data. You can simply go to a page, say, this is the type of thing I want my bot to do. The more information you give, the better. But no matter how little you give, we'll still generate an entire bot for you, kind of right there on the fly. But the difference is you still get the chance and really the requirement to go approve whatever has been created, to go edit whatever has been created, to make sure it's going to do the things you want it to do. Things like generating intents and the utterances, that's relatively well known, right? There's a lot we can do there. And I I see a ton of value in the very short term there. Things like generating slots becomes a little bit more personal to the business. So we can get it started, but things like product names are obviously very specific to whichever business we're talking to, especially in something like banking, right? Um, Everyone has checking accounts, everyone has savings accounts, but the the way those things are named at each um, individual bank is going to be different. So there may always be fine tuning. We have some ways we might be able to search a website to get some of those uh, slot values. And then so we we see a lot of potential there. There's some more that needs to be worked out. And there might be some more review done by the end user or the administrator. And then finally, generating a flow is obviously very personal to the business. That step-by-step script an agent might follow. We could generate something that might get the job done. Of course, someone's going to want to really fine-tune it for their industry, for their personality. If you are a more formal, high-end bank, you might have a very formal tone. If you're more of a maybe like a college student bank, you're going to have a bit more of a friendly tone, for example. Those are the types of things you want to go in and edit. So we're doing a lot to just do this kind of out of the blue with really the least training data possible, but also looking at ways we can leverage the data between agents and customers to say, hey, we've seen the agents have these conversations time and time again. We can now generate not just the intents through Intent Miner, but the whole flow, maybe through a a tool called Flow Miner someday. Uh, I can only hope. But that's really going to be the focus um, is how do we make sure that we can leverage this technology that is new cutting edge in a safe way. And then secondly is a a real focus on the end user experience. So one of our most recent releases uh, is cards and carousels. So when you build a digital bot on a digital channel, you can use cards and carousels as kind of a a rich media to interact with the user. We really want to do a lot more here. We want to make it so each channel that you're on really has the highest fidelity, the, the most optimal experience you can give, whether that's showing things like videos, whether that's using a calendar picker to choose a date rather than having to say a date kind of in natural language. All of the ways we can make those experiences better, utilizing all the tools at hand, that's really where our focus is going, is is really investing in creating as rich of an experience as possible. On the voice side, we see that through things like SSML tuning. Another great place that generative AI might be able to come into play is writing SSML by hand. There's a lot of jargon. It's a It's a bit more technical. Anybody can copy and paste the different SSML commands to speed things up, slow things down, make things raise in pitch or lower in pitch, but it's all a bit techy. So could we use some type of generative AI model to just say, make this sound happy? And it can generate a, a, a file that sounds happy for the text that you've provided. Make this sound a bit more serious make this sound empathetic or apologetic. Doing that in a bit more layman's terms, a lot of this new generative technology can go a long way as well. So you can kind of see sprinkling it everywhere that we can while still keeping all of the trust, transparency, and confidence that we have in the 
technology that we have today uh, is really where we see the value without a lot of the risk. Mitch, thanks so much for all the best practices. Thanks also for the sneak peek into the future. We appreciate you being here on Tech Talks in 20. Well, having Mitch Mason on, who's our principal product manager for Conversational Eye, really did clear up a lot of the loose ends around bots because there still is confusion. And I think some of the things he pointed out are worth repeating, especially around the when you're evaluating what you need from a bot. And I know that some of the things he pointed out only, you know, if you depending on what the bot's doing, you know, if it's only sharing info needed, you know, that's that's an important piece or um, maybe it needs all of the information uh, available, depending on who that end user is, whether it's a customer or an agent, you need to focus on where that information is coming from. And then also uh, understanding if that's that bot is going to be serving a voice channel or a digital channel and different bots are better for different channels of choice. And then also he brought up uh, some points around the best practices for building these bots and one thing that I, I really keyed in on was, have, you know, the number one thing was as real as data as possible, meaning grab actual intents from either customers or agents to utilize that to build your bot. And then, of course, having the appropriate data fed to it, then understanding the personas that you're dealing with and that. And then how far can that bot take you in each interaction? One of the things that stood out for me that lines up with all of that is when you're building your bots and when you're evolving them over time to improve them, you need to test. And not just the obvious testing that it works, but also testing for unintended consequences. You wanna make sure that it does what you want and not what you don't want it to do. And one of the other things that stood out that comes back to that point about data is when you're using predictive engagement, you wanna understand your customers so you're serving up to the right customer segments and not to everyone to make the best experience. And on the agent side, understanding your agent skills for predictive routing. Well, the last part about that, Ginger, is when you left out confusion matrix, was, which is one of my favorite testing parts because it's the one thing I'm good at is the confusion, um, is confusing people. So with that said, I want to thank Mitch again, and hopefully this has been helpful for you with building out your use cases around conversational AI. As we close this week's episode of Tech Talks in 20, I want to thank everyone for listening and hope you were able to take something away from today's topic. Before we leave you, we want to remind you to be sure to take advantage of the resources listed below on Genesis.com. These expand on today's topic and will leave you with some additional information. Also, be sure to click subscribe to get notified of new episodes of the podcast and feel free to share with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of Tech Talks in 20.